Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sox fans, uh, my name is Brett Valentini. I am hosting Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 116. I promise you, quell your fears. I won't just be talking to myself this podcast because I have four wonderful guests, some of our very favorite Southside Sox writers, personalities, podcasters, so on and so forth, including the entirety, as usual, not always, but usual, the entirety of the Indianapolis field office, because right now, Kay, I'm not sure if Kaylee's moved in. So I, I'm not, it may have been premature to get you to clear out that extra office space. Uh, Crystal and Joe might have to reassign offices again. I'm sorry. A lot of administrative uh, BS and bureaucratic stuff I'm asking you to do, but Hey, uh, you got to explore the full studio space there in Indianapolis. And I'll tell you also Dante Jones joining us and Allie Wessel uh, to make a full crew of five on this podcast, a happy podcast. Happy podcast. Uh, White Sox win, win big, win a must game uh, on Thursday, a game that didn't seem like it was going to line up to be a win. But then manager Francona, wow, this is going to be fun to talk about someone else's manager and some other bonehead decisions and why, how, how could this possibly happen? How could the White Sox benefit from weakness and another team? But Maybe some of my guests will tell me I'm wrong, and this is really a master stroke by uh, the by the Cleveland manager. Uh, anyway, White Sox are f- three games out 
three games out? I don't know, whatever it is. They're getting closer. They could have been six, effectively six, had they lost. Uh, and so let's just talk about this game. I do not know what um, uh, Terry was thinking in uh, taking his ace out to put a knife through the White Sox uh, and not kill the White Sox chances, but, oh, man, pretty darn close and clinch the tiebreaker. So there's not even any strange lingering stuff about like, oh, well, we got to play all the way to the end of the season. It just seemed like a missed opportunity for Cleveland, not to say the White Sox would have just rolled over, but it just didn't seem like he ran out um, uh, a killer lineup, um, uh, a killer element of his rotation. A guy who's pitched really well against the White Sox. Was this just a, a nice gift handed to the White Sox? Yeah, could have. Yeah, I think that's one way of putting it. Uh, yeah, I was also confused by the decision. I mean, yeah, I don't want to be too unfair to Hunter Gaddis. I mean, yeah, he's only 24. He's still got time to figure it out. But as it stands now, he's just not a major league pitcher. Um, and uh, I'm glad that the White Sox took advantage of the, the pitching matchup. Um, it certainly wasn't a given, especially with their struggles against right-handed pitch, right-handed pitchers who aren't particularly good. They've had a lot of trouble with those kinds of pitchers this year. So it was great to see them hit a lot of home runs today um, and really um, take advantage of, of that matchup. But um, yeah, well, um, still a lot of work to do, but um, definitely um, um, Cleveland did them a, a favor today. I think Cleveland did us a favor today. I think they set themselves better up for our three game set against them next week because they have four game, they have five games in four days against Minnesota coming up here. And I think Terry really wanted to save his bullpen for, you know, get that starting pitching to get longer starts over the weekend so that his bullpen can get rest this weekend. And then if it's needed, bring them in I'm talking backwards right now and I sound really dumb <laughs> no I'm, not at all no, I appreciate- I'm I just I I messed up I flip-flopped what I was trying to say he was basically shifting things around so that yeah he could have a bullpen for this long like weekend as well but then also setting himself up for having starting pitchers coming into Chicago as well is what I was trying to get at. And I, I lost my train there, but listen, personally, I appreciate his gentility is awfully (laughs) sweet of him. He he sent the white Sox a Valentine. God bless you, Terry. What a man. Uh, Okay. Other thoughts on this gift hand to the white Sox, or perhaps not a gift. I mean, Allie, you're not, it's not a, a wrong point. It's just, I just don't see why you don't, you don't create a corpse today versus, I don't know, next week. Uh, but you know, again, there are maybe other thoughts, uh, and do some of you have them? Yeah, so thank um, thank you, Terry Francona, for just <laughs> not doing the Christian McKenzie thing. Like, uh, as somebody that's watched enough Guardians and enough of him specifically pitching, that would like that's like you said, it's like a potential nail in the coffin, or like what we call in basketball, you know, a um like fin- the finishing blow or whatever. Like, it's not quite over. But it's basically over. Like you have been up more. You have just done everything you needed to do. Also, thanks to the White Sox for deciding that the Frank Minichino fuck home runs strategy did not work today. Was not going to be necessary. How about that? 
uh, yeah. watch today's game. Okay, Crystal. Um, because I'm a great White Sox writer, and <laughs> um, it's called a mental health break. It's okay. <laughs> it was. I needed these. Um, but I mean, just checking the box score, I was like, "What the hell is happening today?" So that was fun. It kept me entertained in like the carpool line at my children's school. But damn, like I really think that when Tony is far away from them, they actually do. Like I think that is a legitimate thing right now. They do yeah. okay when Tony is away. Yeah, and we can we can get to that uh, as we continue to talk. Uh, the The door was locked to the podcast. Uh, Zach Hayes flashed his platinum select card. He gained entry. It's delightful. We are now a six pack on the podcast. So, Zach, the question going around is: if you couldn't tell, is uh, was this just an enormous gift? Uh, Christmas in September from uh, Terry. Whether this just puts off the inevitable or not, it just seems in, it's it's curious that perhaps you don't just go for the kill uh, here and now. Yeah, I'm with everyone else. That's probably what I would have done if I were in the manager's chair over there in Cleveland. Uh, The internal workings of a pitching rotation are kind of a black box sometimes. So, you know, just like I would have loved to have seen the Sox push back Dylan for the start, you know, initially, so we could also get him lined up for the rest of the way. There are a million reasons that, I mean, maybe his routine just doesn't work that way. McKenzie's also got 25, 30 more innings than he's ever had before in the past. I think they could just be opting to get him a little extra rest. I don't know. Uh, Also, if you're Cleveland though, you can't play scared. You can't approach it with like, we need to put them in the coffin now. We're going to let them go on a run. You're saying, Oh, you know, okay. It's okay. If we don't necessarily beat them today because we've won six games in a row and we still think we still think we've got this division either way. So uh, I'm happy for it. It's obvious. They didn't really think this was a super important, uh, game to win, <laughs> you know, in the grand scheme of things. So let's just hope that the Sox can go out there and uh, make that make that look like an unwise decision next week. Uh, yeah, the um, the situation with the White Sox. Let's pull it back uh, and and you know, listen. Credit to the White Sox. They, um, you know, they they they. Wh- wh- I forget who this Gaddis. I don't know where this guy is that you know they they called up. I mean, you know, they they didn't play around with them. And the White Sox we've known <laughs> traditionally decides to you know let guys take no hitters in the sixth or flail at them or act like they've never seen you know a new pitcher ever. There's no such thing as scouting. So thank goodness the White Sox didn't do that this time. It might be just that the starter was that bad, and it I sense there was a little bit of that uh, because uh, as I think Zach said in the <laughs> six pack, most of the home run pitches were on a tee. Um, so, you know, listen, but you still got to hit them. You still got to swing. You still got to take advantage And the white Sox did not mess around low leverage game. Uh, we need Lord knows in uh, 18 left. We need, uh, as many of those as possible. Uh, and before we get to the 18 left and et cetera, and trying to size up these two teams head to head, cause it just doesn't look too great. So let's not go depressing. Let's talk about the embarrassment of riches. The white Sox will have quote unquote, when Tim Anderson, if Tim Anderson now supposedly maybe coming right back, you know, no, no rehab at this point. I mean, what is the point uh, coming right back? Uh, what do you do with the lineup? Uh, Elvis on continues to be a spark plug uh, and uh, lead off spark plug. Uh, just, Again, let's maybe go around and just get ideas about uh, you know, what you do with these guys. I'm pretty sure you're not benching Elvis, but how do you utilize both uh, both weapons? It's time to DFA Tim Anderson. Sorry, guys. 
No, totally kidding. Please don't actually do that. But no, that's a mental of, health break. Can one of them play second? Tim, can you play second? Because you exactly I, where I was going to go. Yeah, because I refuse to give up Elvis because he has probably the hottest bat on the team right now. And and point of order, it's already been said that they are not going to ask Tim to move. It's Tim's decision to make. I don't think it's a decision to make. He is just playing shortstop. So it is going to be, I think it is going to be Elvis moving, but maybe there's other information out there. So again, what, what do you do with these two both on uh, in the same lineup? Yeah, that's what I've been seeing um, is moving Elvis to second base, which I think makes the most sense. But I think the question then becomes too, do you keep Elvis at leadoff? Does Tim get his leadoff spot back? Um, you know, that's the other thing you're faced with. And I think right now, given that Elvis has like a third of the games that Tim Anderson has played and he has just as many home runs, um, I think Elvis has earned the right to keep that, that leadoff spot. And Tim, you know, obviously he's not, I don't think he's going to be playing every day when he gets back right away. Right. He's going to have to be kind of leaned into that. So leave Elvis for consistency's sake at leadoff and work Tim maybe, you know, a little bit further down in that lineup, but still in an area where he can produce and get those RBIs. I I want to push back on the on the Tim slander from you humans <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> no, okay, we'll I, keep I, him. I, we won't DFA him. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't overthink this. Put Elvis a second, put Tim back in the leadoff spot. I mean, what what is the number? If they have like a 720 winning percentage or something like that the last three years when when Tim scores a run. If there's any kind of miracle run to be had in this team, it's going to be with a fully charged up Tim Anderson in the mix somewhere. I think their best hope of getting anywhere is getting him back at the top of the lineup and, um, you know, hoping he can get some of that mojo back and, uh, you know, if Elvis gets bumped down into the two hole or down into the six or seven hole, you know, based on every just about every quote that we've seen from him and the kind of presence he's bringing to the clubhouse, I, I get the sense he's not going to be someone who's going to be throwing, you know, tantrums and thinking that his, uh, you know, his flow and his rhythm is going to be all messed up because, you know, the the all star and two time batting champion is coming back from injury to take a spot back, you know. So uh, I think it's it's a good it's a good problem to have, but I don't think we should think all of that hard about it. That's a problem that the White Sox haven't had too much of lately, like too many qualified players, um, especially at a premium position um, like shortstop or to a lesser degree, second base. Um, Yeah, um, I agree um, that Anderson, yeah, he's one of the cornerstones of of the rebuild and and, um, obviously a crucial part of the team for the past several seasons. I have no issues with him um, going right back to shortstop um, when he is available to return um, and would be fine with him leading off too. Although the leading off would come with a little bit of a caveat. Um, If the bat isn't coming around, I I'd be okay with giving that spot back to Elvis Andrews uh, just because yeah, Anderson for a while was struggling. Um, like he got off to a red hot start, but um, yeah, like um, since late May, it's been a struggle for him. Um, you know, it's slugging percentage since May 25th is only 288, which is way lower than it should be. And I do think he had a lot of 
bad luck mixed in there. But even still, like I felt like a lot of his approach during that time was like just sort of, you know, slap singles don't really go for extra base hits. Maybe with Miguel Cairo at, at manager, we see him going back to the approach that made him such a great hitter previously. So I, I do have faith that he'll return to form. Um, but um, yeah, I, I would give Tim his, his um, spot back at shortstop and leading off, but um, I would very, very much like to see him get back to his, his old approach. Yeah. We, so I would say I would definitely lean towards Tim coming back playing shortstop and because this is the heart and soul of the team, like, Tim Anderson's been that guy for the last few years, him and Jose. So it'll be best to like just have him in the normal role he plays, doing normal things. And like you said, if the bat isn't as hot, then maybe you switch Elvis back. But it should be kind of like Tim's spot to like have to be taken from him because he's just not playing as good. Yeah, Tim always seems to be dealing with, to some degree, uh, some distractions, perhaps off-field sometimes of his own making. That has certainly been the case this year. Maybe just this injury can be a blessing in that there's some of that that stuff that maybe can get cleared up. And it really is just at this point, what? It's a sprint. It's going to end up being a, what, a two-week sprint or so for him. Maybe that's just going to help you know, total focus. I, I, the, the stuff Joe is uh, referring, uh, alluding to, I, I just hope isn't going to be an issue for him. I think he's going to be able to put together a really dynamic uh, two, three weeks for the White Sox and give him, you know, whatever they have. I guess when they're eliminated, they can just shut him down, let him, you know, heal more or whatever. But, uh, you know, ho- hopefully that played into some of what his, um, his subpar, his cooling off, because he was looking like, you know, a, an ace before injury and before, you know, some of the off-field uh, distraction stuff. Um, temper flaring, et cetera. Um, you know, so hopefully that just, come on, it's two weeks. I think we can all stay focused enough. Uh, and he's hopefully not also feeling like he has to carry the team. This offense does seem uh, to be waking up to some degree. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, come on back. Uh, we're going to talk uh, White Sox team, maybe now and a little bit more into the future. Um, Cause why not? We can't just, <laughs> we can't just enjoy the good fortune of maybe an unexpected victory and um, staving off losing a tiebreaker to date, losing tiebreaker, completely lost uh, to Cleveland. We'll see how that ends up wrangling out uh, next week. But uh, stick with us. We'll be back in a minute to uh, talk more White Sox. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Friends, White Sox fans, oh gosh, even if you don't like the White Sox and you're listening, hey, welcome. We're happy to have you with us. Um, Hopefully we can convert you here in the remaining moments we have to White Sox fandom. And if so, let me apologize in advance. Uh, We have five wonderful guests from Southside Sox. Uh, I will attempt to moderate discussion uh, here as per usual, let's look at the schedule. We've uh, done this most podcasts. Uh, White Sox do have an advantage in playing two fewer games than Cleveland the rest of the way. Uh, White Sox are playing 12 games against teams over 500, even though some of those 500s are tenuous. Uh, Cleveland just 11. Cleveland has just six games left on the road. White Sox have nine. 
uh, to steal from Joe Rhesus. So he can't just flex all of his Sox math muscle. I think I've done the math correctly. If Cleveland goes 500 the rest of the way, White Sox will need, if they don't have the tiebreaker, and let's face it, chances are they're not going to win the season series against Cleveland. The White Sox will have to go 13 and five in the last 18 games. That could be wrong. Joe can correct me. Uh, Adrian Serrano is not here to give us the up-to-date uh, playoff chances. Last time we spoke, it was at 27%. I don't know if that was just division or playoffs entirely, but let's face it. They're not going to make the playoffs any other way. I believe I saw it just move to somebody out there said like up to 15%, maybe. Uh, it does seem like it's taken a hit. Uh, since we even talked last, even though the White Sox aren't necessarily slumping. Uh, again, just looking at now what is 18 games for the White Sox, 20 left for Cleveland. They got a lot of games jammed in, but they're also jammed in against teams that they've had their way with, like the Minnesota Twins coming up this weekend and ending the season with six games hosting the Kansas City Royals. Um, Thoughts on how these uh, schedules line up? I know not much has changed since we last spoke on it, but not everyone did speak on it last time around. Uh, any change in feeling, or does this game propel us into a position where we feel a little bit more confident? So I have to go see them on Saturday in Detroit. Okay. I now say have to. Have to. Um, I've decided that if they lose that game that I am at, then there is no hope. And I am done with them for the rest of the season. Um, so I'm not really feeling confident about this upcoming schedule or even that they're playing the very depleted Tigers. So just to clarify, whether they win or lose Friday, it's really just a Saturday game. So for all purposes, the, your tragic number of the White Sox is like one and they lose yeah. that game. No chance. They lose that game. It's just going to be me like being really shitty and sarcastic in every single like six pack and bird app I have coming up. In the next <laughs> and I'm afraid to say, Crystal, I'm not sure I'm going to notice a big tone change. However, that said, you have gone from 99 wins to 47 wins. So, I mean, this has been a roller coaster and I'm just trying to keep you strapped in. I don't want you falling out. So hopefully, yes, they will at least win on Saturday so we can so we can keep you on the podcast for just a couple more weeks, please. And they don't, I'll just call in like onto the podcast crying because like <laughs> I just, the ride was so bad that like I threw up in my lap and lost my glasses or something. We could do that. All right. We could do that. Uh, okay. Other thoughts um, um, beyond do or die Saturday. <laughs> yes. Um, it's still a pretty long climb. Uh Again, I'm grateful for um, the little bit of life um, that they got um, Thursday afternoon with um, Gaddis starting on the mound and almost kind of being forced to pitch through five innings, even when it wasn't working out well. Uh, I don't think it's the start of anything super special. Yeah, to, um, I am able to confirm the numbers that you gave about if Cleveland goes 500 the rest of the way, White Sox would have to go 13 and five to beat them without the tiebreaker. Um, Fangraphs is giving them a just under a 20% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, and um, 538.com gives them 17%. So roughly a one in five or one in six chance, um, depending on which source you like the most. Um, it's, I, I have bad feelings about that series at home against Cleveland as well as Cleveland's run to end the season against Kansas city. I mean, um, obviously we saw 
Cleveland beating up on the the Twins and the Angels recently, and I, I feels like this is a situation where uh, I'd feel a lot better if they had a, a strong opponent to finish out the season, but they don't have that. And uh, yeah, I, I would still lean heavily toward Cleveland holds on. See, kids, don't listen to what your teachers tell you. You do not have to be a Sox math champion to operate a calculator and occasionally get the numbers right. Occasionally. Uh, other thoughts on how these schedules line up and uh, I guess uh, it leads to what chance the Sox have. It makes me so mad that they end their season, Cleveland, with six games at home against Kansas City. Like, it just grinds my gears that they get that luxury. However, they do have a series with Tampa, Tampa Bay. So that could that could bode well in, in gaining some ground, I guess. I just, I would really like Minnesota to help us out just a little bit this weekend. Don't get swept. Maybe take two or three from Cleveland. That'd be great. I'd love to see a sweep this weekend. I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. I don't think we're going to get a sweep of Cleveland next week, though. Like, I also am not feeling great about that series. So in terms of, like, winning the season series, I don't think we come out on top in in that sense. But I think there is enough ground to be gained that that we could be having a completely different conversation next week that's, you know, extremely optimistic. So... I appreciate, Allie, that everything you're saying sounds so optimistic, and yet it all just points to, yeah, we're all going to be crying at the end of the season. Well, hopefully none of us will be crying because we've seen this train coming from a distance. I just wish that I could read the future because my anxiety and my blood pressure (laughs) through the roof every time I flip the game on. The joys of being a younger White Sox fan. Hi, Allie. Bless you. Uh, uh, Dante, uh, Zach, what you feeling? Yeah, well, with the whole end of season for Cleveland, yeah, it is a luxury for them to get to face Kansas City. If it was us facing Kansas City, <laughs> we'd lose four out of six because Kansas City yes. just hates us. So, like, I would prefer, you know, Detroit to end the season instead of – don't we have a series against the Padres to end the season? We do in San Diego. I, yeah, no I don't gimme. love that. I don't love that. Also, along with the fact that Cleveland does pretty well against us when they throw actual pictures against us and not <laughs> random person from AAA with a ridiculous ERA. So it would have been nice. Like, I still, I'm still on the pessimistic side of we're not going to be seeing White Sox playoff baseball, which, hey, thanks for saving me money. But, you know, it would have been nice to pay to see someone like Julio Rodriguez to send a baseball to Mars against us. You're missing your chance to reserve your seats for 2023 now, Dante. Um, Zach Hayes, can you give me some hope? Um, can the White Sox <laughs> hit Shane Bieber and or Tristan McKenzie one time in like a three-year span? Same answer, maybe? I don't know. So we got we got six against Detroit and three against Cleveland coming up. The rest of it, as far as I, I think we're going to know by the end of that stretch, like we, we say like, you know, I've checked out about 15 times at this point, you know, I'm not, not super locked into on, on this team. I think 20% as far as playoff odds go, you know, at, you know, mo- you, most of the time when people talk about the playoff odds, it's, you know, that, that can't be right. Now that, that seems about right. I feel like, you know, if you flip the coin a hundred times and uh, the Sox playoff chances were, you know, what they are, you'd end up with maybe, 15, 20, 25 times at best. It's not. So 
Detroit is the one team where history says the White Sox actually do have their number in a highly irrational way in the way that the Kansas City Royals and to some extent, you know, Cleveland does seem to have White Sox numbers sometimes. So, uh, you know, you get through the stretch of nine games and it's another one of those five and four, four and five, six and three, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Then uh, it's their their toast. You got to take you can probably get away with only taking two or three from Cleveland if you take five or six from Detroit. But if they're not getting those games against these teams in the next nine games, they're not going to make their miracle charge against the Padres in San Diego when they actually have something to play for. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll we'll know in a week. One, I had one additional thoughts, just um, random. But, yeah, I think they used up all of their hits, unfortunately, against um, McKenzie in the Sebi Zavala game um, a little over a year ago now. <laughs> Sebi took him deep twice in that game. Was that, he, was that McKenzie picking that game? It was, know. yeah. And, yeah, he took Brian Shaw deep later in the game for his third home run. But, yeah, uh, of course, hitting McKenzie since then has been a major struggle, oh. though, like you said. Yeah, and, and we it, had our game against Shane Bieber. We put six up against him earlier this season, so surely we're out of luck there too. We can hear uh, the the I can hear the the just the strings of doom playing in the soundtrack now as we keep uh, adding additional points. And I'll add another one, and that is uh, with just three games against Cleveland, it, this it's going to be heavily reliant, even though we're just three games behind, heavily relying on them, blown out a tire to some degree, blown out a tire, and they haven't really done that this year. Okay, and you could say, all right, let's do it right at the end of the season. White Sox have done it the last couple of years, so Cleveland certainly can. I mean, it's capable, but it's almost like they do have to fall back to us, and, and that just – with every day that goes by, every day that goes off the calendar, it seems less likely that's going to happen. But we will know a decent amount just through this weekend alone. Um, let's pull it back a bit um, as we're sort of winding toward the home stretch here. And I'm curious to know, again, can sort of go around and take a survey here, if there's anything the White Sox can do, or maybe have already done this year, but anything the White Sox can do this season for you to call this year a success is there anything about this season as a whole or individually that you're going to feel good about leaving the season presuming let's face it 20 percent odds whatever they really are 20 percent odds it ain't going to happen but within that or just broadly for the team uh will it be a success burning the entire front office to the ground that's it that's that's my success they don't have to make the playoffs. They just need to burn it all down and rebuild the front office. So this is a question I need to continue to ask you into the off season because presumably that's not going to happen be- before the end of the season. So at this point, by October 5th or whatever it is, no, it is definitely a failure. And if on October 6th, pink slips start flying around 35th and Shields, you'll be cheering. Yeah, I'll be happy then. Okay. All right. Well, that, that hey, listen, that is a bar. Uh, okay. Who else? Um, as much as I would like to be the, you know, kind of class half empty type person where I say, if they're going to miss the playoffs, I hope they completely bottom out so that everybody gets fired and so on and so forth. I spent a lot of time this year thinking that it's not going to happen. You know, no one's losing their job except for maybe the inadvertent, you know, medical retirement of, of Tony. And I think they need to finish the season with the sprint. Like even if they make the playoff, they don't make the playoffs. The best thing they could possibly do would be to go 13 and five at the end. You know what? Maybe Cleveland finishes a game over 500 and they mm-hmm. miss the playoffs. Okay. You know, terrible. Yeah. They probably weren't going to do anything this year. They need to know that this is a core that's worth running back. 
you know, we need to know that, you know, that Tony actually was a large part of the problem and that there is not something more fundamentally broken with, with the core of this team and a really strong finish, whether they make the playoffs or not would go a long way towards saying, okay, you know what, maybe we can write the ship a little bit here. Maybe, maybe, you know, not all is lost and we can still, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not holding out hope, have a decent off season and kind of get back on track for next year. Uh, yeah. And, and replacing uh, the retiring Tony with um, uh, Paul Canerco, who's preparing for a major league job in his. Oh, you, you mean AJ Krasinski? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know what, uh, what Gordon Beckham oh, has for us next, yeah. but yeah. All right. Yeah. We did, we did go Beckham. through that. We did go through Gordon that. Gordon Beckham um, all shucks in his way through the mound and the floor. Uh, yeah. So, uh, no, you're right. Good point. I mean, I don't know how much bigger the point size on the font needs to be. Uh, I'm sure Zach and I, uh, would agree here. It's already large enough for even Jerry to read, but you know, just make it bigger, bigger and bigger and make it clear that, um, you know, a lot of hope can be restored for 2023 with just really a, a couple tweaks. It doesn't necessarily be burning down the front office, although, I'm not averse to, to Crystal's plan. Uh, okay, uh, other thoughts? Any way to make this uh, season a success? I would love to see a DFA of Larry Garcia when Tim Anderson returns. I, Romy Gonzalez and Danny Mendick before his injury have proven that they can do the job and get the job done at second base. There is absolutely no reason that Larry Garcia should be on this 40-man roster when Tim Anderson returns. It'll be interesting to know, uh, before we get to Dante and Joe, it'll be interesting to know uh, what the story will be. If any of, uh, of the Beats or Bob Nango or whoever can get, find out, if that those three years are just because Tony said, I, I love this guy, got to have him. I'm sure Rick Hahn wanted him back, and, and Larry deserved at least a, a strong offer to come back. He, he, he you know, revitalized the season, carried it to some degree into the playoffs. Three years, $15 million, bidding against yourselves, which the White Sox are really good at. I think that has a little bit to do with Tony, but it'll be interesting to find out. Or when Rick's uh, fired, the, the new guy can say, yeah, I found the notes. Uh, Joe Dante, um, anyway. There isn't that very much that I have to, to add, I think. Uh, it's, yeah, the first starter is just full confirmation of course, Tony LaRusso not coming back for 2023 would be nice. Um, preferably, Rick Hahn would follow, even though I really don't think that's likely. But yeah, I, I would agree with that point. Um, definitely don't have confidence in him to finish the deal, especially when he finally had an opportunity to have one of the highest payrolls in baseball this year and um, still um, more holes on the roster than a team in the middle of its contention window should certainly have. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, a little, yeah, but, um, beyond, um, people in power, you know, who are not getting the job done, um, heading elsewhere, um, I, I would feel a little bit of silver lining if they're able to finish on a high note, um, enough to where we are able to kind of head into the off season with the feeling of, Yes, Miguel Cairo is really resonating with players and they simply needed a, another voice. Okay, that explains, like, that's why the first um, 80% of this season was as rough as it was. That would be a, a nice thing to head into the offseason with. 
and the White Sox would still manage the sidestep and actual managerial uh, search to keep that streak going and push toward two decades. Okay, Dante, uh, it's your anchor leg. You bring it home. Uh, now, aside from them hiring Paul Canerco for 2023, give me some things that will get you excited or make you look back on 2022 and say there, there were elements or as a whole a success. Well, I've been with the youth movement for most of the year. So, like, seeing Romy Gonzalez, like, mm-hmm. be useful – Seeing all these younger pictures do pretty good, all those things, those are the things that bring me hope. Because at this point, like like I've said a million times, playoffs are not, I don't care unless they bring it home because, let's face it, or at least get to ALCS, I guess. Let's lower the bar a little bit. But, um, like, they get into the playoffs and get stomped, who cares? They go to, they don't get into the playoffs and get, like, the 18th pick in the draft, who cares, depending on development. So I can go in positively looking at like, okay, we got some young dudes that can be part of the core still. And as I, as I said earlier, we're still going to evaluate this core after this season. Yeah, let's not forget we've you know in the in the in the system we got uh, Oscar Colas um, even to some degree uh, Yoki Cespedes, but certainly Colas is looking like a guy who could be a factor in, in twenty twenty three. Maybe we will actually be able to field two of three of the outfield positions. I mean, that's something we haven't had the luxury of for, I don't know, forever. I, I don't know. I'm not a historian and I don't have the math all in front of me, but um, it seems like it's been a while. Uh, well, you know, it's getting to crunch time. Um, the podcasts are coming fast and furious. Uh, I'm not sure why, but you know, we're going to still do them. Uh, we can say with some certainty that uh, number 117 will be with you and you'll be listening to it on Monday morning. Sweep Detroit, get swept by Detroit, obviously very different tones in those two podcasts. Um, crushing poor O'Keefe's, uh, uh, just breaking her heart with a loss on Saturday. Even if they win those other two, you know, again, we're gonna have to uh, speak to her and find out, okay, you know, find out if Crystal really meant what she said. I already don't get to see Austin Meadows. Like, the least they can do is win if I can't see my little baseball boyfriend. That's really what it comes at this point. That's probably what it comes down to for us. White Sox fans, uh, deep sigh. Uh, but we will definitely have number 117 with you on Monday. Thanks for listening to this one and always uh, reading, watching a little bit sometimes. If uh, you're not doing any of that, we're not here. Um, so certainly on behalf of the entirety of the Indianapolis field office and Dante Jones, Zach Hayes, uh, Ali Wessel, uh, I'm Brett Palantini. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for giving us a listen. Uh, we hope to provide you even more hope and optimism. Because we always do that. That's why you tune in uh, next time around uh, on Monday. But uh, until then, enjoy some Detroit Tigers baseball.